That was my bad, not the sound guy. <laughs> Just saying. Good morning. Uh, so good we get to get in the Word together this morning, and uh, can somebody just uh, like tell me how excited you are about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here at MBIC, we love getting to God's Word. We love just to stop and remember like so many people uh, gave their lives so that we could have the Word in our hand, tangible, available, right? So uh, we don't want to forget that. We just want to remember like it's a real blessing. There's some cultures even today that they can't go and just get a Bible, have in their home. Uh, we can take that for granted really easily. So I'm going to bring it up, annoyingly so, probably to the point where you're like, stop talking about it, Bryce. When you guys are saying that verbally every week, I'll be like, okay, I can stop saying that, just so you know. All right? So we're into this a year or so. You might be like, man, that's getting old. That's okay. That's okay. All right? So we're thankful. We're really blessed that we have the Word of God available. Don't take it for granted. I, I, I pray that um, your home, the Bible, is uh, put in a place where it's, it's there, and everybody that comes to your home sees it, uh, and they know that you're trying to uh, know the God of the Bible and live out what it teaches. And so um, that's why one of the reasons why we get in the Word here. Uh, we want to dive in. We want to learn from it. We want to grow. Uh, and so I wanted to go to Luke chapter 8 this morning, if you have your Bibles and are turning there. And I want to talk a little bit more about uh, what it means to go into the Word of God in our homes and just talk a little bit about what I will describe, and I'll use this phrase probably um, more and more, but it, uh, I'll say it like this. It's the heart or heart of our house uh, here at MBIC, uh, uh, grafted in. Uh, I didn't grow up in MBIC, but I'm grafted in. And as I get to know the heart of this house, you can try it. Try to say heart the right way. There you go. Some of you get it. Um, so Jesus talks like this, so just get used to it, all right? Um, the, the heart of the house is uh, that we live in a community uh, and a society that's broken. And, and there really is an answer for the brokenness and the pain and the hurt in our society and in our community. And I believe it's Jesus wholeheartedly I believe that. And, and the Word of God teaches us uh, and shows us who He is. We can get an introduction to uh, how it came to be that the, the climax of the story of the Bible, which is Jesus, arrived and did all that He did for us and how we can live according to His teachings and actually follow Jesus, be followers of Jesus, but also carry with us the Holy Spirit who's available for us today. His presence is available to us, fills us, and gives us all that we need to experience a great adventure, living for Him, bringing the glory of God, the peace of God, and all the gifts of the Spirit to the here and now so we can bring others with us. Amen? So we want people to experience in our community, in our society, the presence of God. We want them to experience God, to experience His healing and salvation so they can have what we have. Amen? Amen? Okay, just making sure. Some of you may, maybe not from here, so you don't know this about us. But we, we love Jesus, and we love the Bible. And this is what we're about. The heart of the house is then for us uh, to carry it forward. And so part of the heart of the house right now, I would say it's not at full strength. Uh, and that is that uh, this is not the main event, right? Like this, this, what we're doing right now is not the main event. We come here on Sundays, we come, and, and really what this is about, it's about celebrating what God did, right, what He's done, and we come, we worship, we praise God for what He's doing in our lives, we're thankful, we just did this, right, we, we look to Him, He's the main thing, right, and uh, then we look, we'll look ahead, 
God, we're going we're gonna to reflect on your word and we're going to look ahead at what is coming and what we're going to be doing uh, in light of his word and light of his presence with us. Okay, And so the main thing is as we go to walk it out, right out there. As we walk out our faith in our everyday lives, doing those everyday things, uh, we're going to live by faith and experience the great adventure that he has marked out uniquely for you and I. That's the great adventure. So the heart of the house is really not here on Sunday mornings. It's about what happens with that faith out there. You follow me, church? Right? You're not doing the main thing right now. This is a blip on the radar of the main thing. You came for some respite. You came for some, some fresh wind, right, to go back out. Or you came to celebrate what God's doing and praise God for what he's doing. And you're getting some, maybe some fresh vision to go back out and do that stuff that we do because we know Jesus out there in the world, right? So the heart of this house is to get it, catch it. And one way that we can do that is do this thing that we've been talking about, which is uh, groups, community groups, or uh, you might have heard sermon-based groups is a new thing that we're doing. It's just a way to take our groups and uh, be united around what we're learning and what we're growing in, dig deeper in what uh, we're hearing in the Word. And so that, that is coming up this September. You can get involved in that. Uh, but the desire for me is this, that our faith is lived out for the community, for our society, to receive the healing and find what they're looking for, which is Jesus. If we keep it in these four walls, and this is just a party that we keep to ourselves, guess what? We're, we're missing the main thing, right? We're missing it. Because the main thing is that we get it out there. He said, go and make disciples. And that's what we want to do. So as you do, for me, one of those key elements is having biblical, uh, biblical community that you have during the week that you get together with. And we do the five things that we talked about that move us towards community. Those five things here we recognize is, uh, that moves us to more intimate community is connecting. That's pretty important. Like, let's get together and actually, like, know what's going on in each other's lives. We do this. We also care for one another. That means we, we uh, go together in prayer about the things that are happening in our world and our lives. The thing that matters to me matters to you. So, and the things that, that matter to you, they're going to matter to me. So that means I have to listen, care. And then I want to challenge, like, I want to go to the, the, the main challenge that came for either through the message or through the word that we're looking at. And I want to talk about it. I want to talk about that challenge so much that I get clarity on what I'm going to do to live it out this week. And in a group context with other believers, I can get that. And that's the fourth C is clarity. And the next thing is celebrate. How often have you been prayed for or some, you've prayed for somebody else and you never came back uh, to, to celebrate God answering the prayer? Anyone? You, or you, you know you prayed for somebody, but you never heard if anything happened, right? Well, if you live in biblical community, a small group like that, that walks through the five C's every week, and you ask the question, hey, what are we celebrating this week? Guess what? It's going to come up. Hey, what happened with that thing that we prayed about? Remember, we all, we all prayed about you uh, getting to actually be friends with your puppy because it was peeing all over the house. Like, how did that work out? Like, everyday real things where you're, like, putting the faith that, that you have in Jesus to, real, to, to, to rest on him, right? So, or it could be something really, like, just between you and your small group that there's no other person, no other people uh, on the planet know about. And I want for you as your pastor, I want to know that you have a, a context, a community that does that with you. And if you don't have that, it's because you're not uh, walking in that community. There's opportunities for that. 
either to become a leader and host in your home or to be a part of a group. And so uh, look online, uh, try to sign up for that or look for it uh, in your neighborhood. And here's a good question to ask yourself. If you have that kind of biblical community, you'll be able to answer this question. And if you don't have it, you'll be able to answer the question and say, you know what, how do I move towards that? And it's because this, this question here it is, who is welcome into your fridge? Who can walk into your home right now without talking to you, saying anything, even hi, and can go to your fridge and help themselves to the, fr- to the food? Anyone? Do you have anyone in your life that can come in? My small group can come into my home, they walk in, they go to the fridge, as long as they don't touch my coffee creamer, if it's the last little bit, all right, you are not welcome to take that, all right? <laughs> You don't, don't starve me or, or rob that moment tomorrow morning when I'm going to have my coffee, all right? Everything else, you can, you can eat. Now, that's not an okay for my boys to go in my fridge and eat whatever they want because there'll be nothing left. But you get what I'm saying. If you can answer this question, who, who has access to your fridge? Just a real quick, like, hey, there's people in my life that can come in and just, like, be a part of it, and, and I'm okay with it. And this might be a, a small challenge to think about. As we, as I just wanted to bring this to you as a family this week. Like if we're not living in biblical community where people are welcome in our homes and we can do hospitality, where we can live together, pray for one another, care for one another in smaller communities uh, throughout the week so we can do the main thing, not this, we can do the main thing, then we're going to miss the mark as, a, as a, a real viable faith community in this community. People on your street need to know like, that there's cars showing up in your neighborhood once a week. Why? Because you love Jesus and you want to live out your faith. Like, I want that question in their mind. Now, why are they so, so loud on Thursday nights? Because they're all praising God. Because they believe there is a God who lives and who they can pray together to. I want people in our community asking those questions. And on, honestly, I want you all to have somebody who can go in your fridge. Maybe so I can do it one day. That's, that's really what it comes down to. But hey, we're going to get into God's word now that we're going to steer towards that. It all lines up somehow. It all meshes with the sermon. So pray with me so it all comes together. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for uh, this, uh, this verse that we get to, to look at uh, closer in uh, Luke chapter 8. We just pray, Father, that in this moment as we look to your word, that you move us to change, that you motivate us, Lord God, in the, in the ways that we need personally so that, Father, the things we need to lay down today get laid down, and the things that we need to pick up, we pick up. Because ultimately, Lord, we want to serve you. We want to love you with a greater passion. Father, as we move uh, into intimacy with other believers and others, God, we want to be able to bring your presence. So, God, would you help us to, to live that uh, and to move towards it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you guys got your Bibles open, Luke chapter 8. Here we go. We're diving in. We're diving in as we uh, do that. Um, Actually, I want to pause real quick. One more thing. One more thing. I was looking at reading this verse, and before I got to this one thing, I was thinking about faith and risk and how they came together. Because there's an element of risk when you think about faith that I just wanted to examine together as a church. And I looked at many different like people in the Bible. I looked at David, right? King David, risk, faith, he's there. I looked at all like different prophets, 
Up to anybody that would defy a king. Like if you defied a king, you stood in front of a king and said no, you pretty much qualify for this faith risk thing. So I was like, there's lots of people I can read about. And uh, of course, the two people that came to mind right away was definitely uh, Shifra and Pua. You guys know these guys, I'm sure. Uh, they're at the top of your list. Um, they're the midwives that saved the Hebrew children. Um, they're the ones that said, no, king, we're not going to kill the babies, uh, the boys, because you say so. Uh, basically, Pharaoh was so scared. He was so scared uh, that the Israelites were getting these numbers that were crazy that um, the Israelites were gonna take them, take them out. So they're like, okay, here's a plan, take out the babies. Um, so I wanted to talk about these midwives because they're heroes in the faith that didn't know by doing their everyday stuff that they always did, which was take care of babies, by doing that and living that out, they were actually like they were actually steering the future of their countrymen, right? They actually set up the exile out of slavery by doing their everyday stuff like being midwives. And I wanted to talk about them because they're just a great example of living out faith and risk together in everyday stuff that actually literally changes the course of history. And when I talk about faith and risk coming together for us in this greatest adventure, I don't really want you thinking about somebody, some, some great hero that did things that we'll never do. I really want us to be thinking about those everyday faith decisions that we're making, that we're doing, that, that, that are really risky that put our, like, our uh, reputations on the line, that, that, that really push us to these moments of, of real risk and faith that, like these midwives did because this stuff is real and everyday kind of stuff that we're talking about. The greatest adventure is this, that I would put my full hope and trust in the hands of God and live a life according to that. And very often what I feel like is we sell ourselves short because we pick it up, we pick up that responsibility, and, and God gets kind of the, the leftovers of life. But I'm convinced that God wants us to live this life of faith and risk and trust in, in Him. So I looked at this story and I said, you know what, if I preach this story to you like I'm getting excited right now, we'll be here till after lunch for first service. So I decided to, to just share that quick synopsis of that story, and I'm going to jump into this next story, and I'm going to move through really quick in this story and show you how faith and risk can come together. Are you with me? But if I'm really honest, I really want you to go back and read that story, because it's incredible. The midwives that changed the world. Also, I've, I, I know a lot of midwives, and I probably would mess up that story, and then I'd get phone calls from my friends that are midwives. But anyway, Luke 8, verse 40. Here we go together. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. That's awesome that they were welcoming. For they were all expecting him. And then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, some versions will say ruler, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And Luke 8, 42 continues, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living, say all, all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I 
perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith, say faith, your faith has made you well, go in peace. An incredible story, an incredible moment uh, that we could maybe pass by. But I, I don't want us to pass it by. I want us to think about faith here, a faith that grabbed Jesus' attention, a faith that meant I got to pause. And I don't know about you if you've ever moved with a crowd, through a crowd, but this picture is something I'm very familiar with. In fact, uh, my wife and I took six boys to New Zealand at one point. And so moving through a crowd with the six boys, I got a real feel for what the disciples were experiencing. Because I'm that guy, kind of like Peter, like there's a here and there's a there. This is why we're moving from here to there. And we need to keep that in mind so we get from here to there. The in-between, don't fluff around, let's go, all right? What do you mean you have to go to the bathroom again, right? We just went to the bathroom. I have a few of those. Like, Dad, I need a drink of water. Great. Hold it. Dad, I, I just drank some water. Now I go to the bathroom. Great. Hold it. We're going from here to there. And my wife is like, you know, ready to tell me, Bryce, we need to stop. Bryce, here's the water. Bryce, let's go to the bathroom. No, she's, she's on it. She's, very, she's relational. We balance each other out. I'm relational too, but I like to paint this picture of us, you know. But this last trip yesterday just drove this home. Like, I'm like, let's go. Let's go from here to there. The crowd was pressing in around us, and we were moving through a crowd, and we have a crowd. And I'm thinking about where we got to go. And other people with me are thinking about who's around them and talking and stuff. All this other fluff that has to happen on the here to there. And I'm just not. I'm just not thinking about that. I'm, I'm focused and I'm going. And so Peter's words of, Jesus, there's a crowd around you. They're all pressing in on you. They're all touching you. It resonates with me. I'm like, Jesus, get over it. Let's go. There's literally somebody who could die if you don't move, Jesus. Like there's, a, there's even a holy reason, right? There's even a biblical reason to move because you care, Jesus. I can have an argument with Jesus right here. Why are you pausing? And I love this, that, and I just want to make this point, like interruptions in life, there's something about interruptions in life that have like a, a redeeming factor that we need to stop and just ask ourselves like, is this a holy interruption, right? Is this a, a God interruption right now, or is this, just, is this just me, right? And for me, I know I need to ask God that more often. God, is this something I need to pause on? Sometimes I have to plan for interruptions. I have to put in the time when I log in, we're moving from here to here, and say, okay, I'm going to add 45 minutes. For any other guys, you're like, I'm going to plan for that interruption. I know they're going to ask me to go to the bathroom at least three other times that I'm not planning for. 
No? Just me? No? Okay. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm really nice. Um, <laughs> but here's this picture. I want to make sure we get this picture. Like the interruptions are annoying, but they're sometimes so perfect. There's this woman who's got to move through this crowd, and she's got to focus too. Her destination is Jesus. And she's willing to persist and push through the crowd, even though she's supposed to be walking, saying, unclean, unclean. See, there's a person who carried this uh, sickness, a person who would have appeared sick. I had to ask somebody who's a medical person about this uh, and ask them, they said, you know, hemorrhaging like this for that long, you know, you've got to remember there's, there's not just this hemorrhaging going on, there's multiple facets of things that are going on in the body and all other things that could be as a result of this sickness of carrying it for so long. And so the anemic look of her body, just the, the, the giving up of depression and, and uh, you know, she or she sold everything. You know, she's given everything to get her healing. And so she isn't eating well. And she's not probably sleeping very well because of it. And so there's the discomfort that she constantly carries, and that's worn her down for 12 years. So get this picture. This is not just someone who's, who's desperate for a week. This is someone desperate for 12 years, pressing through to the destination that is, in her mind, Jesus who has what she needs. And she has to say as she's moving around all the time, unclean, unclean, unclean. You can imagine how... Uh, horrifying that might be to think, I'm, gonna, I'm going to sit in this corner against this wall because I don't want to say that. You know, every time you move out, like it's a mealtime, I've got to walk around and move towards my food or move through the crowd. I've got to shout that out. You, you get a picture of a person who probably is giving up on being at the, the wedding, giving up on being at family functions, giving up on really being around anyone because you carry shame. You carry a resentment even towards uh, yourself and what you're going through. And so this woman had to probably cover herself. Uh, she had to disguise herself to get through the crowd because if she was caught, she would have probably been excommunicated from the community. Hey, you're supposed to be telling us that you're unclean. Now, like they would have believed, hey, you could have made us unclean. You would have made the rabbi, which would have been Jesus, unclean. You shouldn't be near him. And so this moment for her came at great risk to move through the crowd to touch Jesus. Really, I get this picture of someone sneaking through because she had to. An extremely risky moment for her to sneak through and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. But she did, and immediately she was healed. And you would think, okay, you got your healing. If you and I, you know, we... We live for something 12 years and you get this moment of, oh, thank you, Jesus, right? Like you're healed. And for her, she's completely healed now. The thing that has uh, been such a big deal for her for 12 years is now gone. You can imagine the rush that that is of ex just exhilarating and at the same time exhausting. Oh, I've, I've made it finally and it was Jesus. And so this just overwhelming moment that we get to be a part of. Again, my, this is why I love scripture. We get to be front and center to this epic moment in this woman's life, right? And here's why. Jesus was not content 
with her just getting healed. Jesus is never content with just that, like, you get what you want. Because he's always got more. Jesus knows you and I more than we know ourselves. So we come to the party, right? We want the buffalo chicken dip. Like, that's what we want. But Jesus always has more. He's like, you're going to eat that dip, you're going to get a spicy mouth, I'm going to give you milk too. Anybody? I just, sorry. I went to a party early on when I came to America and experienced this thing called buffalo chicken dip. God bless America. All right? It was amazing. But then the person thought through it enough to put chocolate milk right next to the dip. I'm like, my mouth is on fire. What is going on here? And then they poured the chocolate milk and handed it to me. I said, God bless America. <laughs> like, this is amazing. This is beyond amazing. Like, there's, and I'm thinking, there's always more. And I'm thinking, I could preach the gospel right now as I'm drinking this chocolate milk. There's always more that God wants to do. Sorry, I had to bring that up. But there's always more that God wants to do. And in this moment, you know, if Jesus wasn't thinking about the full story that this woman brought, that this, he wasn't just thinking about just her getting healed on the outside, just getting this physical healing. He was thinking about redeeming this whole story, this whole woman's life that he would call out and say, like, someone touched me. Something deeper is going on. I got to know who touched me. And he calls her out from her hiding place. Jesus calls us out. When we get touched, Jesus calls us out to something more. He wants to redeem the whole person that we are, when Jesus healed you, when he touched your life, when he saved you, he didn't just say, okay, you're saved, you're done. No, he had so much more he wants to do and so much more he's wanting to do. Even right now in this service, God wants to do a full work in someone's life. Right here, right now. Someone can get healed right now. And it's not just a physical healing. God wants to do some redeeming in this moment if you're willing. In the middle of the crowd, Jesus Use this one who was an outcast, not clean, not welcome, not trained, not the leader, not the reason the crowd was there, to have church. Right in the flow of life. Right in the everyday, I'm just walking through a crowd, Jesus like, hold the phone, hold the plane, everybody stop, who touched me? Now, again, if I'm the disciples, I'm like, are you crazy? It's like the crowd stopping to pick lunch. You know, when there's 30 people and you're like, okay, where are we going for lunch? I don't want to be in that conversation. Right? I just want to sit down, decide where we're going to lunch, and then I'll take you there. Right? In this moment, Jesus is like, there's more. And he calls her out and he calls to attention the story, not just for her, but everyone else who would hear the story is going to have their life changed. Doesn't this just sound like Jesus? Like it just seems like something really small. He's like, no, it's not. And she isn't something small either. She's not insignificant. You, she's not so unclean as you might think. Everyone else was fixed on getting Jesus there. Jesus was fixed on getting us somewhere. 
you and I get comfortable sometimes because we walk such blessed lives that we miss the incredible power of God at work in us and through us in the everyday common things where we could put our faith into action in a risky way and see God move. Maybe Jesus is talking to someone right now this morning and maybe you've, gone, you've grown comfortable walking with Jesus. The risk has escaped your faith. But I think God's calling us to more. I love that this interaction with Jesus here at this moment, that he is still ministering to her beyond the physical healing, and he goes deeper. And it just speaks to me of who I know Jesus to be. And I think of the moments where I feel like I'm needing more of Jesus, where I feel like I'm stretched and I'm saying, God, I need probably more faith. I, this verse comes to mind more than any other. Galatians 5, which you guys are probably familiar with. In verse 22, and it goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. This list always, anybody else, you're like, man, this list is long. Like you get halfway and you're like, seriously, there's more? Like, and because and what I'm reflecting on, I, I stopped at self-control because I'm not having any right now. But there's, there's just, there's so much more, and i make this point again, that God wants to do in us and work through us, bring out of us, and his spirit is willing to do it in us, and we just can ignore what he wants to do in this moment. And in this moment right here, everybody's being stretched by Jesus, everyone that's around him being stretched by Jesus. In those moments where we're being stretched, I'm thinking of this, like, God, I just need more of what you said is available in the spirit. And I, I want to make that prayer even more often in my life because I'm saying, God, I know it's available in your spirit for me to have patience right now, but I ain't feeling it. Anyone? I'm being stretched right now. I need what your spirit allows and what your spirit is able to grace me with in this moment. So I'm coming to you, Father God, for what I need right now. I want this to be a frequent in my life. I know I think of this verse, but when I think of it, instead of praying it out and saying, God, I know that's available, what I'm thinking, I'm just being real, in my flesh is, God, I thought you said there was this stuff available. Like I go to the negative, like, I thought you said the fruit of the Spirit is this stuff. I don't feel like I have any. <laughs> Anyone? I feel like I'm on my own here today, guys. You're really quiet. Try not to be as Lancaster as you are right now. In this moment, because like I'm saying, like, I'm being, I'm being real with you guys. Like, it's hard, isn't it? In the stuff, in the fray of life, like, it's hard. You get to the end of yourself, and you're like, seriously, God? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I could use some of that right now. And I want to turn it into a, a prayer. God, I know it's available, so can you grace me with some in this moment? I know that's what's intended when Paul said, because in verse 25 he said, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Oh, 
Paul, you're annoying. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Like, <clears throat> I get it. I'm supposed to walk in the Spirit. It's an active thing that I do. When, when Paul mentions walking, it means you're here. Things are available to you, so you, can, you should walk into it. You know the right thing. God's available, made it available. So you ask, God, grace me, give it to me. I need to walk in it. So <clears throat> we need to do that. And so this is, in my mind, taking the risk of living by faith. You know, I I didn't say this in the first service, really because I breezed over it and totally forgot. So I'm going to give it to you right now. But like for me, where the rubber meets the road often is in my parenting and at home. And even right now, I feel like last year and the year before, it wasn't as hard to do what we're doing right now. And so I feel like I need more to get through the day and do what I'm being called to do as a dad, as a leader, as a husband. And so I'm like in desperate need of you, Jesus. And so I I need to come to God and say to him, like, like, I know that my kids are picking up what faith means as I live this life out. So there's a risk involved. Hear me. There's a risk involved as I, as I portray my life as someone following Jesus, having faith in Jesus, trusting Jesus, and my kids are looking and they're computing, this is what it looks like to put their faith in Jesus as I live it out. I fail at that sometimes, many times, so I'm requiring grace for my children, but at the same time, I want them to experience the fruit of the Spirit. You following me? I want them to experience that. So, I know there's a risk factor in living by faith and calling on the Spirit that I want them to be I want them to be cognizant of, aware of. But I also know I need to be aware of it. I need to move into it. So, I I just wrote some some things that I know I need to learn as I walk in this risk faith thing. Are you ready? Number one, like this woman in this story. Uh, I need to be, be more single-minded when it comes to who is coming through for me. Jesus. Because I tend to pick it up and say, right? There's all these things that I know that can comfort me right now that I can pick up that would make things easier. But I know deep down, Jesus is the one coming through for me. So I... I'm, I'm saying this because as we go in and take the risk, going all in with Jesus kind of faith is me being single-minded. It means I've got to take some other things off of the option list when things get hard. And if you think through it, the last time it got hard, you might think of some things that you went to, kind of your default. Like when it gets hard, when it gets stressful, you go to this. I know some people, like they pick up their phone and they just begin to flick through other people's lives to feel better about their own. And there's some other people, you know, they, they pick up the bottle and they begin to drink. For other people, they have something they go to for release. Anger. Pornography. Getting revenge. Talking bad about others. This woman, she moved through a list of other things before she got to Jesus. She was super desperate for what could heal her, what would come through for her. But we don't have to. We don't have to go through the list before we turn to Jesus. He can be the first thing, right? Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves, yeah, he can be the first thing. He should be the first thing. 
my wife has gotten used to asking me, right, do you need some Jesus time? Because I can get like hangry for Jesus, right? You're just going through the motions of stuff and then all of a sudden realize like, man, did I miss my Jesus time? And so having someone in your life, again, a great reason to have a biblical community that's around you, that's watching your habits and going through the normal stuff and then going through the stressful stuff, they can call you out and be like, yo, are you a little hangry for Jesus time? What can I do to, to like cause some separation, some distance around you so you can be alone with Jesus right now would be a good thing to do to serve people, right? Maybe this is just me. Guys are so quiet. Uh, number two, this, the second thing is this, the being ready to give an account of the good news of Jesus uh, and who he is is so important as we move forward. I don't know about you if, you, if this is like in your everyday life, you get an opportunity to share who Jesus is. But 1 Peter 3.15 talks about it like this, that in your heart set Christ apart. See how this, setting Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives. There it is again. As Lord, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account, uh, you to account for the hope and confident assurance elected by faith that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. This is it. And it's risky. But it's, far, it's part of this whole process of following Jesus. It's part of putting our full trust in Jesus is that people are going to ask us, why are you so confident? How are you making it? Are you ready to tell them Why? Or are you cringing at that question? For many of us, that feels like a stretch. So I would give you this, point you to this. Maybe you need to write it down. Like maybe you need to just take some time and sit down somewhere quiet and just write down why you have hope in Jesus. So when somebody asks you, at least you've written it out. And try to do it in less than two minutes because you're probably only going to have their attention for 30 seconds. I used to challenge my leaders, hey, always have an elevator pitch ready to go to give an account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I would ask them at random, walking down the hallway, um, just so you know, any staff in the room, you're probably going to get this at some point. 30 seconds, go. Why you have hope in Jesus? Now. Why? Because the world we live in needs us to be ready. Right? We just talked about the heart of this house. Be ready. Jesus gave a platform to this woman, and if he didn't call out this, this woman and say, you might say, man, why would you want to put somebody who feels shame, who's been like trying to hide and is now trying to hide from you, why would you call out her into the center of attention, everybody's listening, Jesus, to give an account? You know why? Because Jesus knew that this story, if he didn't call it out, no one would. And there would never be a historical document that would say, hey, Jesus and all of us should be loving these people, bringing these healings of any kind and these stories of any kind out so that we can give hope to all people in any circumstance, whatever they're going through. Jesus brought it to light and gave it a pedestal and he gave her a moment to give an account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Can we just give God praise for that, right? He loves everyone and their unique story. And that includes you. And that this is why I come to number three. I'm available to all that God has for me. 
Being persistent, if you're filling in the blanks, you're probably realizing that the answer to all of these questions is Jesus, because that's kind of my point today, is living this faith out and moving into faith and risk. It's really just putting Jesus first. So being persistent because we expect God to fulfill his promises, even though I may not get what I want, that was Jesus. He, he saw that kind of faith that this woman put on display, being persistent and expecting God to fulfill her promises. He saw that and he gave her her healing and a platform and redemption and guess what? Probably months, months, maybe even years of ministry to other people who suffered in silence. Can you imagine after she went through that and now she's been asked in public and she's healed by Jesus in the marketplace like that, in the crowd? Don't you think people are gonna be like, oh, I want what you got? Don't you think? Now she's a walking, right, example to everyone of the ministry of Jesus Christ and his love and compassion and awesome, like, story to share with others. And the last thing is this, and it kind of like sums it all up, is that number four, we need to allow the full weight of our situation to land on the shoulders that can take it. That's Jesus. Allowing the full weight of your situation. And I, I say that because we can put him first and we can be ready to give an account and then, the, then something else today is gonna be really stressful for you. And, and the inclination we're all gonna have is to run in and pick it up and do our thing based on our own understanding. But the verse that we're learning, the crux of is this, that What? Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Someone in this room right now, you've been going through something. You've been struggling. You're at the end of your rope and you don't know where to go or what to do with it. You feel like you're crying out to Jesus and today you might have given up. Maybe it's somebody else you know going through and you're giving up. But Jesus doesn't give up. And this woman who went through this for 12 years, it was important to him to stop in the midst of that crowd and make her his number one priority. Even though there's a 12-year-old girl dying, he said, I'm gonna stop. And at that moment, when he stopped, and, and all this is going on, a servant from the synagogue's uh, leader's house shows up and says, hey, don't bother coming, Jesus. Don't bother coming because the girl's dead that you're going to. You imagine being one of the disciples standing around hearing that, being like, good job, Jesus. Those people who put their faith and trust in Jesus and his leadership at that moment, probably felt really disheartened. Like, I told you we should have gone. I told you we should have moved on. But Jesus, here he goes again, doing that thing. The least of these things. We had things we needed to do. And then Jesus speaks ever so softly, right? 
it's okay. We'll get there. She's just sleeping. If you follow the story, he goes to the house. He takes her hand. He empties the room of all the chaos and weeping and wailing. And he takes her hand with the parents and says, come on, wake up. So that everyone learns this lesson of trusting the Father with the full weight of the situation and not trying to pick up the pieces and doing it our way. Because when we do, we just get into a frenzy and we lose stuff. God expects us to come to Him with our weight, our burden, and bring it at full weight to Him and say, I trust you, God, even though it feels really risky right now. I trust you above everything else. I trust you. He wants to hear these words from us. It's worship when we do this. It's what we were designed to do, how we were created to come to Him and say, I am yours. I am not my own. And it takes great risk to get to this point. And so I'm really calling to all of us today, say, saying to you, like, this is the call I hear in this story that Jesus wants to emphasize is this, is if we were gambling people, which we're not, but if you're going to gamble your life on everything, put all your chips in with Jesus because He's worth it. Put all the weight of everything in with Jesus because He's the only one worth taking all of your life and putting it all on one thing. It is Jesus the one who is the author and perfecter of your faith. So when you trust Him, He's doing more than just answering your question, answering that one thing that you come to Him with. He's bringing all this other stuff to you that you have no idea He's doing. And He wants to do it on your behalf. Some of you in this room, you've given up on a dream. You've given up on something. And I hope today you bring that thing that you gave up on. And I pray that as we come into this moment of worship, that you bring it back to the Lord. And you trust Him with that thing you used to hope for. And that He can breathe life into it again. Because He can when no one can. Amen? Because He can. Because God can. Would you stand and worship with me today? Father God, we thank you that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you, God, that you can. And so we do. We come with faith. We come with our burdens. We come with our weight. We come with uh, all the stuff that comes with our, our sickness or our, our thing. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's guilt that because we've done certain things or made certain choices, this is a mess, God, that we have in our hands to give to you today. For many of us, it's, it's been hard, overwhelming, and so we've done certain things to cope with it. But God, we want to come, we want to relinquish that, we want to let go of it, we want to bring the weight of it to you, God, because we know only you can. Only you can. For some of us, a level of desperation is happening in our heart today, like never before, and we know that you can handle it like no one else. And like this woman who moved through the crowd and put great f risk involved in her faith, she first said, yes, it must be Jesus that can do this. So as a family of God today, with all of the things that are represented in this room, all the hardship, all the sickness, 
all the stuff that's hard. God, we say yes to you, knowing that you can. You're the only one, Jesus. And we worship you because of it. Amen.